Hello and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Game Development Manager at Basketball Australia. The guest I'm joined by today will be well known by most of you if you live in New South Wales or maybe Werribee in Victoria, or if you're one of those people who enjoy searching the internet for basketball drills and session videos. You'll very quickly pick up the passion in his voice and indeed his staff profile on the Basketball New South Wales website says it all. Jared is passionate about Australia, basketball and people. Sounds like a perfect definition for what we want basketball coaches to be. It's a great pleasure for me to welcome Jared Moore, the Coach Development Manager of Basketball New South Wales, to Building Better Basketball. Welcome, Jared. Thanks, Neil. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. And it's a, a pleasure to be on. And you've done some great work in organising this podcast, mate. So thanks again. Jared, I kind of touched on it there. You've had a bit of a diverse coaching journey, covering a couple of states and working with beginners to semi-professional adults on the on the court and then obviously the immense amount of work that you do with volunteers in terms of coaches off the court can you share a bit about your coaching philosophy and how it's evolved since you began coaching um, nearly 20 years ago well when I first started uh, everyone always comes out thinking they know it all so I definitely came out with a mindset thinking that Hard work and seriousness was the answer to everything. And um, those three years of my of my coaching were very difficult because I tried to be like my head coach coming out of high school and that failed miserably. <laughs> um, and when I, when I say it failed miserably, kids were still rocking up to training, but um, there weren't very many smiles happening during my, during my sessions. Um, so... What happened after those three years, took a break and then came back to coaching and very quickly realized that fun was a core essence to not only why I came back to the game to coach, but why I continue to coach today. Um, and how it's evolved since then is that not only is, is fun and enjoyment a, a core to it, but you can see it in the faces of youngsters when they begin to play. You can see it in the face of of state players, each step that they think they can put on the Australian jersey and they get closer to their dreams and their aspirations. And you can see the smiles and the the joy in semi-professional adults when, when they secure themselves a tough victory in a competitive environment or, or even take the next step into the professional world that was an aspiration of theirs since they were a kid. So fun is defined at different levels at different ages, but um, it, it's all displayed in the same by, by everyone. Um, I've yet to meet, meet an individual that shows their their enjoyment by not smiling, but um, yeah, it, it's been very clear to me through me through the years that um, that that child never really leaves an individual into adulthood. It, it's just hidden somewhere in the crevices of, of a complicated human. So um, yeah, as since it's evolved, uh, the clarity of how I think the game should be played has definitely evolved from making semi-professional basketball enjoyable to play at, a, at uh, an NBL one level um, and trying to figure out what makes it fun for them. So it's continuously evolving until today. And Life has taught me a lot about my own philosophy and um, everything's just become clearer as each day goes on. So continuously learning and, and continuously trying to clarify things. And basketball's not a difficult game and 
every day that I live, I, I start to realize, well, it really isn't that difficult. I think that's, I think the constant reevaluation of your own philosophy is something really important for people to, to take away. It's not, and we've said it, I think on countless episodes, our philosophy is not a set and forget kind of thing. It's not something that you, you have at the start and you have all the way through. And if you do, you're, you're probably doing your coaching wrong after, as you said, probably two or three years because you've grown, the athletes have grown, generations have changed, everything like that. And I think the, the most important thing that you've touched on is that no one, uh, unless you're coaching in the NBA, is, is really uh you have to enjoy what you're doing as well as a coach and, and definitely as a player because essentially you're playing a game and that's what you hear all the the great athletes say they can't believe they're getting paid to to play what is essentially a game that they enjoy so that's really a really important message for coaches as well even with all the challenges they have that the enjoyment on why they do it has to be at the crux of it Obviously, with your day job at Basketball New South Wales, you're really heavily involved in, in shaping the next generation of coaches. And just before we started recording, we were talking about an experience you, you just had at a coaching clinic you were doing yesterday. And you can please feel free to share that story as well. What are some of the key skills or qualities you believe are essential and 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 you're trying to impart onto those coaches going through the courses and the clinics that you're doing in New South Wales to inspire and guide their players effectively? So <clears throat> there's a few characteristics and the list can be endless, um, but I'm more than happy to, sh to share that story that we spoke about, mate. Um, well, I ran a coach's clinic at the ACJBC, otherwise known as the Australian Junior uh, Championships uh, Basketball Cup. Um, it's formerly known as the Country Cup. It's run in Albury every January. Uh, and it's the opportunity for country teams from South Australia, Victoria, Tasmania, ACT and New South Wales to, to and New Zealand to come together to play a tournament. Um, and during the tournament, we run a coaches clinic and it's, it's unbelievable to have over 100 coaches at this clinic. And during this clinic, as we came to the end, a, a young coach from New Zealand came down from the stands and he asked me a question about the content that I presented. And it was an incredibly valid question. A lot of those questions are valid. There's there's really no question that's, that's stupid. Um, and this coach came down and he asked me a question. We had a, a conversation for about five minutes. And one of the characteristics that this this coach showed directly was he's enthusiastic and he's keen to learn and um, he wanted to get my eyes on, on and my brain on what I thought about a particular aspect of the game. And that's just such a small aspect of, of characteristics that coaches can use to inspire and guide their players effectively is if they're enthusiastic to learn, um, then very quickly their players will pick up the same kind of um same kind of traits. So even having the self-awareness and something I learned recently, the collective awareness uh, to, to understand how to read a room and, and get the best out of people. And it's definitely something that coaches can get better at and improve on and learn. 
And I'm learning something about myself every day. Just the self-awareness and taking yourself through the experiences to pick something up about either something that you enjoyed or something that you didn't like. And it was only a couple of years ago that um, I realized that I didn't think that giving up was such a high trait in my list of things that I appreciate in the plays that I coach. Um, and I didn't know that until I was coaching adults a couple of years ago. So giving up um, does not happen under my watch. And now I can educate my players moving forward. Uh, and, and I didn't know that. So that was something that I'm becoming more self-aware as I take on these experiences. But there are, so, there are so many other common traits that I've seen other coaches extract the best out of their players. Enthusiasm being a big one, especially at a young age. If you're not excited to be there, how can you expect your players to be excited to be there? Um, knowledge, as with everything, prior knowledge helps. But I've also seen coaches have a raging, aggressive curiosity to build their knowledge. And I've seen very many coaches who have not played at a very high level being very successful coaches um, right in front of my eyes. And they're on the phone every day watching clinics, uh, watching YouTube, getting themselves to trainings and watching. And, and uh, that's the time that they choose to invest, to learn and to grow. So whether it's prior knowledge or knowledge that they're learning today, it's definitely something that can continue to be built. Um, so I'd, I'd also term that as a willingness to learn. Um, so how curious are they? Curiosity is such a big thing and, and it definitely shows in, in, this, in this realm. And another thing that I learned recently at a coaches conference, uh, another smart coach in the world also discovered other traits uh, that coaches can use to motivate their players. So when we talk about inspiring and guiding their players effectively, um, another coach in Belgium actually found characteristics that coaches can pick up. So this is all science-driven. Uh, and, and these characteristics, characteristics include being participative, participative. So are these training sessions that you're doing, are they engaging? And uh, are the athletes participating in this in the drill as common as possible um attuning are these kids being provided feedback to really develop these skills are they being guided um this is a very motivating factor for young athletes and and athletes abroad as well as clarifying and clarifying with athletes to why the coach is doing it this way and what is it that they're going to achieve and a little one that that this coach found out which was neutral meaning that it was motivating and demotivating but it depends on the individual but being demanding so being self-aware if it's uh, whatever level of competition this is um, you can be a certain kind of demanding you must reach this by today for example left hand layups um, at an under 10s level let's try left hand layups boys and girls if you can't do it that's okay or if it's an under 18 rep level boys this is boys or girls this is non-negotiable you need to be able to make a left hand layup at your age let's get this done that's been proven to be um, neutral so some athletes have found it demotivating but some athletes have found it motivating so it's completely up to the coach to determine um, how demanding they can be of their athletes so um, the list could be endless Neil, but uh, as a good start, enthusiasm, um, the characteristics that I just listed, 
continuously having a curiosity to learn with the prior knowledge that they had and the knowledge that they don't know, as well as having some self-awareness and continuously learning the, the collective awareness of the athletes that are in front of them. I'm um, blessed that I know the question that I'm going to ask next. And I'm sitting here thinking, and the question I was going to ask you next, Jared, was I know that you're not just a basketball enthusiast, but you also put a lot of value in, in teaching. And how I was going to ask how you see the connection between teaching and, and coaching and how it's influenced your coaching approach. And I've got a young son. I'm just sitting here listening to you describe there the values that you think are important in what you're trying to educate coaches in. And if you if you go back, I encourage anyone that's listening to this podcast, skip back two or three minutes to when Jared started answering that previous question and take out any kind of concept of basketball that you were thinking of and, and put in any other skill. It could be reading, writing, arithmetic. It could be something like teaching someone to do cross-stitching or um, another sports skill like putting or driving and golf. And just start to, an interesting brain experiment for you would be to start to attune your brain to how you're phrasing how you would teach someone a skill of any kind, whether you know about it or you don't know about it. What are your tools and techniques that primary school teachers across Australia and across the world are obviously really fine-tuned in because they're the ones that are educating those building blocks that are are shaping the the kids that are coming out of school and preparing them for the world so it was obvious Jared I think in that answer there that you obviously put a lot of connection between teaching and coaching is that fair to say yeah and and to be even fairer to you, mate, I don't even see a difference. Um, and uh, e even just before this podcast, in my research, I was still Googling the difference between teaching and coaching. And uh, I still don't quite grasp the concept of what the difference is, because if you're coaching, you're still teaching someone. And if you're teaching, you're really coaching them. So, um, yeah, really, really, really interesting, mate. But uh, um, I got so addicted to... Uh, being a young coach and coaching Aussie hoops kids and um and it still gives me goosebumps to this day but seeing a five-year-old beginner shoot a basketball through a hoop for the first time um can be so warming to the soul um and it, it happens at different stages but but players go through this whole this whole experience and whole journey of playing basketball and even discovering new things about themselves and things that, that they couldn't do before. It even happens at an NBL one level. So is there a connection between teaching and coaching? I don't think so. Um, a scientist might be able to prove me wrong. And, and there's obviously a lot of evidence in the research that there's a difference, but um, the, the background and influence in teaching uh, proved a lot and, I still think even today that I talk a lot and I feel sorry for a lot of my athletes, but uh, even when I give them as much feedback as humanly possible with the clear goal to make them a better um, person first and then a better basketball player second, um, I still think I'm talking their ears off and, and 
trying to find reasons and trying to find that little thing that we could do to improve them. Um, I'm learning something about them and even myself today. So there, there's a big connection that I think, and there is no difference, but teaching influences me every day in the way that I, I approach coaching and even the way that I approach um, educating other coaches. So a very long-winded answer, Neil, to basically say <laughs> there is a big connection. The image that you put in the listeners' kind of minds there of a Aussie Hoops coach working with a young athlete getting their first basket, whether that's on a modified-sized hoop or even more so if they manage to get it in on a full-sized hoop, the smile of joy that they get, the, the kid, I mean, from getting the the ball into the basket that they've seen countless adults do it, NBA, WNBA, NBL, WNBL. That endorphin rush is, is probably replicated in the coach as well because they'll feel the confidence that they've made a difference in this kid, that they've been able to give them some advice that's helped them to achieve that objective that they want. That building of confidence is, is something that I don't think anyone that's ever met you or, or spent time around you would say that you have misplaced confidence, Jared. You just have a lot of confidence and it's driven by an energy and a passion for basketball. And you have a, a stated aim that you want to create this world full of confident coaches and creating confident coaches at Aussie Hoops is, is easier because there's less... Um, results there's less outcomes that can cause anxiety in terms of wins and losses but how do you I guess see that vision of, of creating the world of confident coaches as you're educating these coaches and sending them out to the the pitfalls we know and talk about all the time of parents of wins of losses of court time of all the other challenges that that you and I discuss on a regular basis yeah um now, the, the whole goal why I'm trying to build confident coaches is in my crazy mind, I believe that the better coaches we have, the better plays we have. And deep down within me, um, there's a little image in my head about the Boomers and Opals winning a gold medal or a World Cup in the same year at the same event um, as regularly as possible. Um, and that image has has been deep within me st since I started rep coaching back in 2009. Um, and I just believe that the, the more confident coaches that we have, then these players um, can just be better generation on generation on generation. And even as these better players start to retire, then they can give back to the game and share their knowledge to hopefully improve the next generation. So how can I, how do I build confident coaches? It's definitely not a perfect science or a perfect art, but my understanding of confidence was beautifully defined by, by another scientist sometimes last, last year and I just loved how they defined it and I never forgot it. But confidence is just an abundance of experiences stacking up upon each other. Um, now, how do we build confident coaches? Um, is by creating more and more experiences, not only for each other, but for ourselves. Um, 
And I can create as many experiences as humanly possible for our coaches, New South Wales, Australia, and the world in itself. Um, but it's also trying to inspire coaches to create their own experiences because there are experiences happening in every part of New South Wales, let alone the country. Um, so in terms of a New South Wales perspective, we can create basketball coaching events and learning events for coaches to be a part of where they can connect with someone or even watch someone else or even have a chat to myself or another work colleague Whoever it is, is completely redundant, but allowing the coach's curiosity to invest in the time and the effort and even sometimes the finances and the, and the sacrifices to go and have an experience that might make them 1% better. As I reflect on my own experiences, the most confident boosting times were my worst seasons or the seasons that I was scared to coach the most. And not only that, in my own coaching, watching other impressive and master coaches go through their art and then realizing to myself, wow, I was thinking the same thing, but they said it completely better. They, in those moments, improved my confidence by 1% for that day. And then I went to back to my own experiences and hopefully it improved by 1%. Um, so we, we have a policy at New South Wales that it's open arm, open door. And I still get feedback that some coaches are intimidated by, um, by the clique that's there. Uh, but in those scenarios, I try to send these coaches as many invites as humanly possible. Um, but then it also works the other way. Uh, is there a coach that can't get to our events that could try to connect with a master coach within their region. And if and it's happened before, but if there is if there is a coach that is the only basketball coach in their town, can they connect with someone uh, via the internet or via the phone? Or are they able to invest in the time and the effort to get themselves to a close by town where they can spend time with a coach that doesn't even coach basketball? Um, and I think the borders even go beyond basketball. and. Something that's done supremely well by Sport New South Wales is that they they open up the invites to coaches from other sports to sit in the same room and connect with each other, and that's that's um that is absolutely special. So when I talk about how do I approach building confidence in coaches, it's um dishing out as many invites as humanly possible, sharing as many resources as humanly possible, and encouraging coaches to listen to their curiosity. Um, and if they want to go somewhere to just have an open arm, open door policy and, and try to increase these experiences so these coaches can then go back to their communities and um, share what they learned. Because essentially, that's all you're doing as a coach. You're taking the knowledge that you learned and then giving it off to the next generation and, um, yeah, trying to plant more trees for more shade. Um, once we pass on from this earth. So that's what that's what I believe, mate. And um, that's what I've come to learn. But e every year I'm in this role, I just learn something new about building confidence and building experiences. So uh, who knows? I could be completely wrong. And all these coaches that I've brought to the game might go <laughs> AFL one day. So who knows? Who knows? I don't know. But um, the more you live, the less you know. So I think that's the, the most important thing is like, across all your compatriots across all the different states and territories and and myself at BA and Lono 
we are not telling people how to do things. All we're doing is giving them tools that they can choose whether they want to use them or not. And they, it, coaching is the, the absolute dictionary definition of a find your own adventure. But the, the choices you make are the choices that will determine your journey. And all we can do is, is highlight the pitfalls that we've seen and the uh, advantages that uh, making certain choices can lead to. But then every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. It's like what you spoke about. You, you can't judge what's in an athlete's head. You can only go by the reactions and, and your perception of, of the outcomes. So there's not many people listening, I'd imagine, and also around uh, Australia who would have a day that can go from running an introductory Aussie Hoops program somewhere through to potentially working with state athletes through to working with uh, MBL1 athletes and and that could be a, a a day in the life in the basketball coaching life of Jared Moore how do you balance and adjust your coaching methods to to cater to diverse skill levels and age groups yeah no this is this is a great question and um when i was thinking about it it kind of touches on on the answer of my first of the first question that we spoke about neil and there's different levels of, of play and fun and fun is a big crux um, to, to all of this. So um, when we talk about my own coaching method, I'm always trying to figure out ways, how can I make this more enjoyable for the, for that 10 or 12 or 15 or 18 athletes that are in front of me. Um, and something that I've only learned recently since coaching NBL one and even youth league is that you have to you have to pay attention to the context of why the athletes are there. Um, in a New South Wales youth league level, a lot of the time those boys um, are investing their own time and money to play at a youth league under twenty three level because they've left juniors. They still think they can they can crack it either semi professionally or professionally, and in some instances they do. In most instances they don't because then there a multitude of answers pop up and and a lot of these players either find their real life purpose whether that is wanting to be social in their 20s which is perfectly fine and a lot of them start to realize I Jared I like being a DJ I'm just going to venture down this path and that is perfectly fine um but keeping that in mind and I don't find it fair as a coach if someone is coming to play and pay the, a game um, and and optionally choose that I'm going to come to two trainings a week that their coach should be abusing them. That's the right thing to do. Now, there's there's a fine line. There's a fine line where an athlete crosses the, the line of the coach and that's determined by the commitment that was agreed by the group. So if, if a kid rocks up to training late consistently and the group decides, okay, you're late to training consistently, you can't play on the weekends. And then this player comes to the game on the weekend and then has a go at the coach for not playing them. Now you've crossed the line. No, we agreed on this, mate. You were going to come to training on time. You haven't. The rest of the guys in the team saw that you haven't been late. Uh, and you've been late, so you can't play. All right, you can depart from the team. You've paid for this. 
this isn't what we agreed on. You can depart. So that's where the fine line, um, that's where the fine line is set. So having a collective set of values um, that is enjoyable for the group, because if you allow to give this, this certain individual playing time and the rest of the team sees this for persistently being late, now it interferes with the enjoyment of the rest of the team. So now you're reaching a common goal that you have set. Uh, and that is at a level where you can now talk to them as adults and you have, can have common values. At an MBL one level, it is a little bit trickier. Some people can get paid. Some people um, get paid by the club to have their costs covered. So they're basically playing for free. And in some instances, some guys even have to pay their way to play and just be a part of a roster. Um, so balancing that enjoyment, again, is bringing the collaborative and this isn't a perfect art yet, but bringing in them collectively and coming up with answers to how this team is going to operate and then holding everyone to the same value um, is, is an interesting journey. So uh, your job is to prepare them for the next step in my eyes. So if we are an Aussie hoops coach, we're trying to get them into domestic basketball and trying to boost their confidence. And if they are in domestic basketball, we're trying to build their confidence to get to rep. If they're in rep, our job is to try and shovel them off into the state governing body, whether that is um, Western Australian basketball or Northern Territory or whatever part of the world you're in. And then at my level, my job as a coach and even as a coach developer is really to try and push on the next generation to represent Australia and even go off to college. So just being contextually aware of the, of the level that you're coaching and what pyramid and what part of the pyramid you're in, and then just trying to inspire the generation that's in front of you to reach as far as they can. So when we talk about um, adjusting coaching methods to cater, uh, if, if it's all about having fun and trying to get the masses onto the next level at Aussie Hoops, then the values are really simple. Uh, boys and girls, keep the basketball still while I'm talking um, and don't be mean to anyone else. If you accidentally hurt someone, <laughs> it's okay to say sorry. But then once we go to an MBL one level, okay, you're trying to make it to a professional level. Don't be late. Commit to this. I'll help you. And if anyone's not abiding by the rules, there's the exit door. What would you like to do? The choice is yours. Um, and then you're welcome to come back in, but you have to face the consequences as a result. So at different levels, there are different rules and, um, and uh, the lines are thicker at an older level, but still need to be taught at all levels. So uh, you definitely need to always dangle the carrot, but, but also use the stick as a teaching tool. But it's not fair to coach these kids and these adults without even defining what these values are. Because if you spring them with surprises, then that's when you lose a lot of the athletes. Because I came in into the team thinking that this was going to happen. Um, you didn't define this for me, coach. And now all of a sudden you're springing this on me. Um, this is not fair. It's like working for a boss in a, in a workplace. And they said, yeah, we're going to pay you um, uh, $500 to do something. All right. And then you go in to do something and then you try to do something. And then the boss has a go at you and says, uh, what that something you're doing is wrong. OK, well, you didn't define what that something was. So uh, thanks for clarifying this with me. So uh, I hope I wish you would have said that at the beginning. So um, 
yeah, how I adjust my different coaching methods. There's a lot more smiling, Jared, at a younger age group compared to a, an older <laughs> age group. But um, it takes a lot for me to get angry and there's there's still a lot of patience. But um, that I, I'm definitely not abusive to uh, the MBO one guys that I coach, but the values are just a lot stricter. So we've talked about the MBO one side quite a lot, the Penrith Panthers. And yep. I do encourage, there are some classic Jared Moore coaching reaction videos on Instagram following <laughs> some successes last year, including one of you, like almost losing your voice mid-answer. <laughs> yeah. um, you've, you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but there, there is a bit of a backstory there in regards to you took a very young side, very inexperienced side that wasn't kind of expected to to do great things. Is that fair? And and they did exceed expectations, I think, of of external people, at least obviously internally expectations would have been would have been high. Yep. What are some of the unique challenges that you, you've faced in coaching at that semi-professional level that you've touched on about how people have those different motivations and and how do you navigate those challenges? To, to bring out the best at the at the different tiers, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I still don't think I've got the perfect answer for you, Neil, but the biggest challenge is definitely meeting everyone's needs. Um, and being a, uh, being a coach of adults at the moment, um, I'm so pleased I get to refine this skill um, as a manager and as a man. Um, and one of the other biggest challenges is is trying to balance this time to try and get everyone's needs met. And, and I can imagine that you could define this as success um, and different people in the team could define success differently. Um, individ some individuals could define success as winning. And Jared, if this team is not winning, I'm not pleased. I understand that. Let's try that. Um, Jared, if I'm not getting minutes, I'm not pleased. Okay, I understand that. Um, Jared, if I'm not scoring and I'm missing a lot, I'm not pleased. Okay, I understand that. And then there could be even individuals who might say, Jared, I'm just glad to be a part of the team. High five. Um, thank you for meeting those needs. Those needs are, can be met simply. So uh, the, the biggest challenge is trying to meet all those individual needs, but then collectively um, put them on the same ship. And hopefully the ship is sailing in the same direction. So the way I see coaching is the, uh, the, the coach is the captain of the ship and then they've got to put their team into places of the ship that they think they could be successful at and excel that could get the ship steered in the right direction as quickly as possible. Um, and whatever direction that is, whether it is a championship, um, making the playoffs, um, winning more games than they did the season prior, uh, bringing out the best of these individuals is something that I'm still learning as an art. But the way that I am trying to get the best out of these individuals is uh, trying to spend time with them and just trying to have experiences with them. And I know coaches a lot talk about relationships, but I think coaches get confused that relationships are just built through the phone. I think it goes deeper than that. I think relationships are built through having experiences together, like going to the beach together or or just having a coffee or, or um, a couple of years ago, I actually took a, a few of my players out to bowling. I didn't take the whole team, but I took a couple of my point guards out to bowling because I just wanted to see how they would react to competitive stimulus. Um, 
and and they appreciated that and not only that but it was a lot of fun like going back to the crux of having fun with other adults and and you're just a part of a team for a nine month period i think i think you've got to take the time to to share this and and uh that's again one of the biggest challenges finding the time to have these experiences so as a result um, coaches have to resort to the phone because some of my players have families to look after. So we can't have experiences or um, in future, we, we can take our families out together for, for a nice dinner or lunch or breakfast or afternoon tea or midnight snack, whatever it may be. <laughs> so trying to figure out um, constant communication about not only their role within the team, but, but having discussions with them of what position is successful for them to then reach the next level because some of the guys in my team um, uh, are happy to just play at that level and and are on the verge of retiring but then some of the young bucks in my team have aspirations to still play nbl um, so trying to balance that out and um, i won't figure that out unless i actually talk to them and have a collaborative discussion and and compromise um, because some some aspirations are incredibly out there. And, and as you know, some aspirations are not even there. And, and some guys don't even know what they're capable of. So um, it's something that I'm still learning, but but bringing out the best in, in players, I think, I think right now is, is as simple as talking to them and, and, and pushing them as far as they think they can go. Um, but I, I don't think you can get the best of the best out of your athletes if if your players don't think that the coach is putting in the effort to, to get the best out of them. So kind of having a common, a common ground. And last season, I don't think I did a very good job in, in putting my athletes in, in a position to succeed. Um, so it, it's just one of those lessons that I learned and um, we'll see how we go this year in NBL one. So Jared, our last question that we ask everyone that's coming on the pod for the first time, if you could ask one question, to any coach in any sport, and they can be either with us or or passed on, who would the coach be, and what would the question be? Oh, I had this. This took me the longest time to think of, <laughs> but I came to an answer, and the answer is Coach Bill Walsh, the great 49ers coach. And my question was, Coach, can you please teach me how you did it? Please <laughs> teach me how you did it. How did you take a team from nearly the bottom of the league, how he changed a whole organization to then basically a dynasty of championships to then also have Hall of Famers exit his, his tenure um, and basically have an organization humming for decades to come? Um, I get uh, so juiced and by juiced i mean so enthused by organizations and teams that are an absolute underdog um and getting them into a position of success when when i was a uh, when i was a young teen as a millennial i would always play nba 2k or or fifa or whatever sports game there was out there and i would always take the worst team and and work my way to multiple championships in a row but i always found that it the game got boring when you won multiple championships um and then i decided to resign from that particular team then pick up a new bad team and then get them up to multiple <laughs> championships. so um when i read coach bill walsh's book um uh 
winning takes care of itself. If I think that's how it's defined, winning yeah. takes care of itself by yep. Bill Walsh. That that book blew me out of the water because um, the biggest message out of that was if you just create an environment of learning, the rest will take care of itself. I want to ask him, teach me how, <laughs> where did you start? Um, why did you decide to start with the secretary? Um, why this quarterback? There are so many intricate details that I just want to pick his brain about further. Um, and I actually want to read that book again now that I'm talking to you. But that would be the question and that would be the coach. Bill Walsh, can you please teach me how you did it? Jared, I think as I promised in the introduction, I think it's it, the even just in that answer alone, the passion that you have for not only coaching, but people and and the challenge as well. I think that a psychologist would have a field day with your obsession of taking uh, the underdog and turning them into the superpower and then getting bored with the superpower and going back to another underdog. So yeah. thank you so much for your time today, Jared. Good luck for the NBL one season with Penrith and, and thank you for all you do for coach development in New South Wales. No, very mutual, Neil. I, it was such an honour for you to ask me. And as I told you, mate, you already knew what my answer was going to be. And is if, if at least one coach can get 1% out of this particular episode, then then my job is done. And if anyone wants to reach out, they're more than welcome to. They can reach out via Instagram, Twitter, um, get my email. And, and if you want to share that, mate, I'm, I'm more than open for that to happen. Awesome. Thank you, Jared. All good, mate. Cheers, everyone. I'm so